I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue. All right, put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from the keyboards, and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. A Muddied Waters Media Production. Thank you to the Narcissist Cookbook for allowing me to use their music, and also to Don and Sally Wright for giving birth to me, because without them, none of this would be possible. And to Stateside Cava for the Cava, I am drinking on today's episode. To all those above, Bula Vanaka. I am very excited to bring on my next guest. He um, He's quite possibly one of my favorite people in the entire world. Well, he, not even quite possible. He is one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, we first met in Nashville, Tennessee. We bonded over a baseball team and a uh, great... Basically, he's my older brother. Um, so without any further ado, I would like to welcome on a regular activist in the Liberty Movement, uh, a, the closest thing to Ron Swanson in the real world. Uh, he's the Ron Swanson that you wish real-life Ron Swanson actually was. Uh, and my spiritual big brother, Brett Corrieri. Brett, thank you so much for coming on, man. I am so happy to have you here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. It's been uh, it's been too. Uh... I should have been on here earlier, but that's probably my fault because I've been, you know, Ron Swansoning building my own house. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, actually, that that is 100% my fault because I've always wanted to get you on, but I never wanted to bring you on until I knew I had a good enough quality show that you would be proud to be on my show. <laughs> I, I would be happy to be on your show, even if it was a pile of steaming dog shit. Well, thank you. Um <laughs> Some some would argue it still is one of those. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. So you and I met when I started work. I started working at Mafiosos, which you were you were my boss. <laughs> and, sort of, yeah, yeah. And I believe the first words you ever said to me were, "If I catch you eating in this kitchen, I will fire you." <laughs> I be. <laughs> I, I believe that was it. And I was like, man, I don't know who that guy is, but I don't like him. And then. <laughs> and don't the, eat my kitchen. Right. No, I caught that. I caught that that was a rule <laughs> real fast. And then, um, and then we started talking and then we eventually got to baseball. I think uh, either you saw my, you saw my tattoo or one of us was wearing a Red Sox hat. And like from there, we just started bonding more and more and more. And eventually like you became one of my favorite people in the entire world and somebody who I look up to and just respect the ever living shit out of. Um, it still is. Um, but 
So for everything, I'm going to say up front, thank you. And I know that later on, I'm going to give you like this really long, heartfelt, off the cuff speech that I definitely didn't write down beforehand. <laughs> um, I really didn't. Definitely. Like there's nothing on that piece of paper. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, thank you for all you've ever done for me because honestly, you, you're just the greatest. But um, so everybody that comes on my show, pretty much everybody that comes on my show has something to do with the Liberty movement. And I don't know if you actually know this or not, but you're a big reason I am a libertarian. Um, I am glad to hear that. I, I like to, I like to get more people pushing that way. Yeah. Um, when I first got to, when I first got to uh, Nashville and I started working at Mafiosa's 12 South, I don't remember the address or else I'd plug it for you. Um, but I was that's it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I haven't needed to know that in a really long time. Um, 2400 12th Avenue South. Um, I, uh, yeah, you, we were talking and I just kind of, I just kind of mentioned that I was a libertarian and you were like, Oh great. Me too. And I was like, awesome. And then we started talking more and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm actually a libertarian. Cause I have no idea what he just said. So then I started having to look into everything we would talk about. (laughs) What brought that about? What, what, what was something that I said that actually made you go, I don't know what he's talking about. Um, so at the time I was still kind of like, I was my, I took, I took one of the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, no, the, the the Nolan quiz, the Nolan test, Nolan graph, whatever it's called. Uh, I took one of those and it said that I was a libertarian and um, I, I was kind of politically apathetic at the time, but I knew what I believed and I didn't care what anybody else believed. I have obviously changed in that manner. Um, but um, we were talking one day and I was like, yeah, I'm a libertarian. And basically at the time, I just wanted to be able to drink as much as I wanted to without being arrested for it. And uh, if I decided to go back to doing drugs, I figured... Yeah, I don't want to get arrested for that either. And then we started talking. You started talking to me about um, uh, immigration and taxes and all of these things. I knew, like immigration, I was like, yeah, whatever. But I saw at the time, I would, I didn't really see why we should have uh, open borders or why or how we have illegal immigration. Or, and I understood why we got illegal immigration. And then as we started talking more about it, I started researching more. I said. This is really stupid. They're paying taxes because they have social security numbers that they got from somebody. So they're paying taxes. They aren't living here scot-free. And then I just started reading more and more into that. And then we, uh, when it came to taxes, I was like, yeah, but, you know, we kind of need something for the defense. And then I started reading more and I was like, well, no, we don't need that much for defense. No, like and we can fund that in other ways. And I started... So I just started kind of rolling through it like that, little bit like by little bit by little bit, and that was during the uh, 2012 election cycle. And Gary Johnson, Mitt Romney, Obama, and I was watching the debates with you. And at the time, I was thinking I was going to vote for uh, Mitt Romney, even though in 2008 I did vote for Bob Barr, which I'm not that proud of. But I wasn't voting for McCain or Obama, and. Uh, we were watching the debates together and you said, neither one of these guys can hold a candle to Gary Johnson. And so then I started looking into Gary Johnson and I was like, well, this is, this just makes sense. This is who I'm going to vote for. And that's how, and that, that was sort of how everything got kicked off. It's just you and me just having regular conversations and me wondering what it was, why you felt the way that you did. And then I would research it. So that way I wouldn't get a completely biased point of view. And as I was researching it, I was like, huh, that makes a lot more sense. And then it just kind of grew from there. And then when I moved here in 2014, I started working for the libertarian party. Yep. Yep. So, so why don't you, are, how haven't you developed into a full blown anarchist yet? So Spike is definitely working on me becoming a full blown (laughs) anarchist. He uh, is doing everything he can to get me there. And I'm like a step away. I am just like one tiny little step away. And the one thing that I have, some sort of issue with is uh currency like would we all just use silver because if so cool or gold you know whatever precious metals bitcoin whatever um 
Like, but what happens if, so here in my area, we've all accepted that we're using silver as our, as our currency. And then I go back to see my friends in Tennessee and they're like, oh no, we don't use silver here. And I'm like, well, fuck. All I have is silver. <laughs> like that. And somebody, sounds like an opportunity to create an exchange. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where I start getting a little, that's where it starts like uh, muddying the waters a little bit for me on the anarchy. But Spike is definitely attempting to uh, get me all the way there. And slowly it's slowly it's working. Um, but so, I mean, basically that was kind of how I found myself in libertarianism, but how did you, well, in the Liberty movement, how did you get into the Liberty movement? Cause I remember at one point you had the LP sticker on the back of your car. I don't know if you still do or not. I don't, I'm more of a small L now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's kind of like any organized religion. That's how I feel about any kind of organized party or politics. I prefer to, I prefer to make my friends and just live my life and be outside of the system as much as I can. But I got started. Um, I grew up. I mean, my mom voted for Ross Perot. I mean, that's the first. That's the first setup that I remember really paying attention to politics. And it was all about. She was just kind of like, well, screw both of these guys who were who have been telling us lies forever. I'm going to vote for this other guy um, just because it's a, it's a third party. Right. And when I first voted, and then, and then of course, when I, when I was in high school and, and could first vote uh, senior year, I think that was the Clinton years. And it was, you know, I had, there was the pressure to, you know, for the first couple of years of high school, I was all, you know, screw homeless people. You know, I, I, I I was more of the Alex, what was that guy's name? Alex, uh, Family Ties guy. Which guy? Uh, Michael J. Fox character. Michael J. Oh, Fox Alex character. P. Keaton. Alex P. Keaton. I was more Alex P. Keaton in high school. And I just, I felt like, uh, give me your hate. I will, I, will, I will accept it from my teachers. I will take it, just let it run through me. Because it was, it was easier to do that than... Uh, And I just started to slowly got a little bit, a little bit molded by some of my more liberal, my Middlebury sociology professor, uh, just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And eventually I just got tired of fighting and I would just start accepting it. And I became a little bit liberal in high school and, and I didn't realize then that it wasn't a, a black or white thing. Uh, it was not a binary thing. It's not a one or the other. You have to be Republican or you have to be democrat it was more along the lines of um now that i know it's more along the lines of you could take what you want from each as your feelings and and not be pigeonholed in each one of those i mean i love it when people don't when like say my brother-in-law doesn't know what i am if i agree with one thing if he asks me how i feel on one policy he thinks he knows how to he knows home and everything else right because i think that if you want a grenade launcher you should be able to have one um I, he's like what's the next step uh, you, you need a nuclear weapon i'm like do i need one no do i want one yeah. maybe yeah. yeah yeah uh we 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 here at muddied waters media support uh mcnukes uh <laughs> we <laughs> We think that's a stick. Yeah. We, I mean, we should, we want recreational McNukes to be available to uh, everybody. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I got into a debate with somebody. It was shortly after the uh, shooting down here in Florida. Uh, you know, David Hogg, the one David Hogg wasn't at, uh, but claims he was. Um, and people were going off on uh, gun control and I got into a debate online and I said, what, what weapon I choose to defend my home with has absolutely nothing to do with any of you. Like if I decide to, you know, use a handgun or if I decide to use a AR or an M16 or whatever. And I don't know a lot about, I don't know a lot about guns, which a lot of people find funny because I'm so such an advocate for them. Um, but they're like, 
one of my one of the uh, guys that was in the debate with me, he said, "You don't even own a gun," and I said, "And yet here I am thinking that you should be allowed to," and and then uh, they said, "Okay, so." What if it's landmines? And I said, yes, absolutely. I should be allowed to protect my home with landmines. I will be be able to set up a a tiger trap outside my window. Right. Uh, If you try to break into my house and you fall into a pit of dirty, sharp spikes that are laced with, I don't care, pick, pick your horrible disease and you fall into it. That's the wrong place and wrong time. But right now that's illegal. I mean, yeah, it's uh like I was like I'll be kind enough to put up signs that say landmines on property. But that's just because I don't want you coming on my property at all. <laughs> and yeah. and that will that will be enough to make you go, "Wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't walk on this dude's property." Uh either that or it's going to make you go, "He's lying." And then you're going to come on the property and find out I wasn't. Uh and then we turn Well, to- here's You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. I spoke on a panel back when uh Nashville was debating a law to up until about, I I don't remember the exact year, but it was probably before I met you. Um, You couldn't go to a place that served alcohol. Even if you had a concealed carry, you could not carry your weapon inside. That's a law down here in Florida right now. They changed the law to be that restaurants could allow it. If they didn't, they could prohibit it. So it was, it was a prescriptive thing. If, if the law said you could carry it in unless the restaurant said no, or a place that served alcohol. And I went and debated somebody and stood up on this crazy debate with, uh, I forget, somebody from Young Republicans and somebody from Freedom Foundation and somebody from one of those other Koch brother things that I'm a shill for that I work for <laughs> on other things too. Um, and they, uh, they had a ringer in the audience. But my argument was, as a business owner, I think that the private property thing is more important than your right to, I mean, it's my house. If I'd say, if I have a sign on the outside of my house that says you have to wear a green hat and be barefoot when you walk inside my house, who's to stop me? Your choice is to not come into my house. Right. And I feel, I feel that's the way um, a restaurant is as well. And because that's, that's my property. Absolutely. And I argued that you should be able to outlaw guns in your property because I've been there many nights where people say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm just coming in to enjoy some food. And then I'm calling them a cab at three o'clock in the morning because they got shit house. Right. Um, I, I, so, I believe you've done that for me, actually. Um, but I mean, I, I was pretty sure you weren't carrying a handgun, too. That's so. also very true. Uh, and I know people who have, I mean, that's the way that I thought about it. Property rights are ultimate to me um, as far as that goes. Right. And but if you want to carry a gun and come into my house, I don't care. But if you want to carry a gun and come to my restaurant where we're serving copious amounts of alcohol, um, I'm probably going to put a stop to that. And that's fair. And again, you and I agree 100% on this. Like, it's your property. It's uh, if I don't think that cities should ban smoking in restaurants. I think that should be up to the restaurant, to yeah. the owner of the restaurant to say whether or not you can smoke in the uh, smoke in the bar. Totally OK if they're like, no, you can't smoke in here. Fine by me. Like Even when I was a yeah. smoker, I would go to those places and I didn't care. I would smoke outside. I didn't care. But when the uh, but when they started banning it everywhere, that was when I started having an issue. I was like. Mm-hmm. Why you have no say in that? That is not your business. Yeah, let that restaurant close or or die on the vine if they decide not to let smoking, or they make the wrong choice and their customer base wants smoking. Exactly. Um, that's their that's their call. Exactly. And I got so many I got so many hate mail, not even mail, hate cocktail napkins who had see my debate or see us put the no, the no gun sign on the door. Uh, I will never come back to this place again. Like I honestly, I, I, I think this may have been your first and last time here anyway, but right. You're, you're right. And I choose to live by that because I don't want to have, I've seen 
drunken fights. I've seen people passed out. People make bad choices. And if I could prevent a little bit of that bad choice in my small sphere of influence, that's great. If you want to do it in your house, I'm not going to tell you not to. If you want to do it in your business, I'm not going to tell you not to. No, exactly. I remember there was a, there was an annual party that happens in Nashville uh, at Mafiosa's that um, it's always a good time. I would never go back since I stopped drinking, but it, it, it every time I was there, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. And that was all people we knew and liked. And the stuff that happened at that party was just insane. And yeah, I couldn't imagine like a stranger walking in off the street about dealing with some of that stuff. Right. Exactly. And a stranger coming in off the street, dealing with that party and that stranger packing. I could, I, I totally understand why you'd be like, no, you don't get a gun in here. Like I get that. But again, that is your choice as a business owner. And it's not something that should be brought down upon you by the state. Um, yeah. I remember one night we, we had to, we had to throw some, you called me, you were like, I need your help throwing this guy out of here. And I was like, let's do it. I'm hammered. Let's go. (laughs) Literally, 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 you, you and I helped get him out the door and then, uh, TJ got him the rest of the way. Cause yeah. Cause that's what TJ did. <laughs> hey, by the way, the socks are up one another. Cool. Um, I was going to put that on this screen and give you updates, but I don't want to <laughs> slow anything down. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that. Um, yep. so you recently left Nashville, uh, and you moved out about an hour outside of Nashville, um, because Nashville had become, just way, way too liberal, basically. Correct? Like, it, I, I'm trying to think of the best way um, to put that. It's not, I mean, I saw things changing. It wasn't necessarily a liberal or conservative thing. It was, Nashville was not the old Nashville. And I don't even have the right to say old Nashville because I moved there in 95. Right. Uh, my wife was born and raised there. And, well, here's a perfect story. When we, I remember when I first came to Tennessee, my wife, looked at me coming from Boston. Right. She's like, if you honk your horn, people are going to follow you home and ask why you were so upset that you had to honk your horn. And that was, and that was even for like a little beep, beep, hey, the light's green. Um, not a Boston, you know. Yeah, not the rock, blaring. Wah, you know, you hit it hard. Um, so I, I took that into consideration and, and I tried not to honk and I, I think I did a fairly good job. Um, over the past, eh, more specifically the past five, six years, with the, immigrate, with the, with the influx of people moving from, from other places, Nashville has become not what I recognize. Um, never mind the, the things that don't have anything to do with liberal conservative, the, the traffic, uh, the property taxes going up sky high. Um, the the schools are awful, uh, the public schools are awful, um, and just the congestion. I, I just got tired of it. Um, we we moved out here, and before we even you know, back up, we we bought an old farmhouse, we brought it down to the studs. Um, but our first day out here, the the house had been sitting vacant for about four months, and the yard looked awful. So I borrowed a, a lawnmower from a friend of ours who lived out here as well. And I was I was mowing with this zero turn mower. I had never used one before. I had never mowed this lawn and hit this. I was like, oh, there's a ditch, boom, and I got it stuck. And I, within ten minutes of me trying to pull it out, getting it stuck, the neighbor from across the road had already come over. Two guys had stopped as they were driving down the highway and said, "Hey, do you need some help?" And that is what old Nashville was. Right. Um, and it's not that way anymore. No, it's not. So I left Nashville. Red Sox won the World Series in 2013. Yeah. Uh, when the, that, I left that summer, 2013, because I came back to watch the Red Sox win the World Series in Nashville because I didn't know anybody down here. And, uh, and in the time period from then until the last time I was up there in November, um, the city has completely changed. It's all, it's grown straight up. And 
I love innovation yep. and I get that big cities are going to attract people. And I, and I get that you need to continue fixing the infrastructure, but with property taxes constantly going up with them putting restrictions on Airbnbs, like the issue that you had with the place that I yep. used to call my house. That wasn't my house. It was yours. <laughs> um, and, um, and everything and everything else just from 2013 to now, it has become a completely different city. I still love the city. It's still my favorite city on the freaking planet. Um, and most of my best friends from throughout my life all still live there or Nashville adjacent. And, but I don't know, I would never be able to move back to Nashville proper because Nashville proper has just become such they're they're just so involved in every aspect of your life now it seems yeah yeah they keep trying to pass big uh big transit initiatives and and those types of things they're you know multi-county um and the thing that they don't i mean the thing they can't control is the property values going up so high and it made no more sense for us to live in nashville anymore um we had a we had a big house. We thought we were going to have more kids. We didn't. We had one who was, we have one son who's 20 years old. Hey, Calvin, if you're watching. And he, uh, we're like, we don't need this big house in the middle of Green Hills anymore. Right. So, so for 10% of what we sold that house in Green Hills, we bought two acres out here. Right. With a house on. I mean, that's, and we're 45 minutes an hour away with the coming change in technology. Um, you're going to be able to work for that 45 minutes while you're in your car if you want to commute to Nashville. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Brandon Fusion Brandon Fusion is watching and he said that's why he moved to Nolansville. <laughs> What's up, Brandon? Uh, I, I have hey, not Brandon. I have not talked to Brandon in years. What's up, Brandon? Um, and what's funny is we uh, that's where Brad Ford is. Uh, I know a bunch of people who moved out there and I know some people who moved out there 15 years ago who were like, Oh, I'm out of here. This is getting too busy now. And they're looking for places South of me down in like Linville, uh, almost to Pulaski, almost to the border. That, and they're just like, it's, it's too much. Yeah. that that's insane. Um, like I, I still need to be at least somewhat close to a big city because I, I'm of the age that I am and I'm still single. So I like, I need to be somewhere where people are. Um, and there are no, there are no kava shops here in uh, where I live in Lewisburg. Not yet. And uh, <laughs> one day, uh, apparently they just opened one in uh, Knoxville. Uh, one of my friends just ah, told nice. me. Um, now when you moved out, when you moved out to uh, not Clark's Lewisburg, 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 <laughs> I was like Clarksville. No, it's uh, still, Lewis, still not. Lewis and Clark. You're close there. You're right. on the opposite end of that, Lewis and Clark. But right, yeah. um, when the, when you moved when you moved out there, uh, you rebuilt your house completely by yourself, right? Um, we had a friend, Bethany's friend from growing up childhood was a was a contractor, and he helped us out with a lot of it. But um, yeah, I I weighed thirty five more pounds than I do now, <laughs> and we we you know we tore off the carport. We we had to hand dig footers and uh the foundation because there was no foot or foundation on the old part of the house that was built in the 1850s to 75 nobody knows because it was the the courthouse burnt down in the war of northern aggression as they call it here and uh so nobody knows the exact the exact timing of that but it's an old house right um the two by fours are still true they're solid oak old growth two by fours um, we saved every single scrap of wood that we could pull out of this place. You know, we redid the trim on the doors and windows in the old part of the house with the old one by six poplars rust on that we pulled out. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I've learned how to do a lot of stuff. You know, before that, I just did a lot of woodworking, wood turning, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of welding. We took some classes. I mean, here's the idea of Bethany's and my good time is for our anniversary we took a class on welding um and she's still married to me yeah that's um <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing 
took a class on welding for an anniversary. Um, yeah. So when I was out there, you were you were showing me around, and you showed you were showing me picture. You were showing me the befores, and then you were letting me see what it looked like now. And it's it's like a completely different house. Like what you've been able to. Account- oh yeah. Like you kept, I believe, if I remember correctly, you kept the original uh, hardwood floors, right? Uh, we did. Wherever they were, we kept them. Uh, a few places we had to we had to do some patching. Um, the original hardwoods in the old part of the house were um, it's heart pine, about four inches wide, and it goes from one end of the room to the other. So it's not like a staggered board kind of thing. Um, beautiful, but it was in in most parts the house where they had it it was it was either painted over and then carpet pad and carpet or tar paper carpet pad carpet or painted over particle board carpet pad carpet and then somebody let their dog crap all over it and pee in there and use it as their personal uh yeah their their litter box their canine yeah. litter box the very first thing we did after mowing the front lawn was uh, and me getting stuck was to rip up all that carpet and and the it was all built on the old part of the house. Current construction methods are different. Um, you know, 16-inch centers, two by 12s on your floor, or two by 10s on your floors, or two by 12s, depending upon what material you're using. And this, uh, the old part of the house is it's on 24-inch centers, and there's no there's no sub floor. I mean, this this pine in the old part of the house, you can actually feel it kind of. A bit. It's a little, it's a little bouncy, um, and uh, it's not ton of groove, so they're not locked together. So you feel the boards kind of, kind of move and creak. And I like that old part. I like that part of the in the in the old part of the house. Right. Um, but that also means that we had to encapsulate the crawl space, and I didn't do that. We hired somebody for that. Right. That's fair. And I think, I think he encapsulated a snake. He freaked out. There was a snake in the crawl space, and he had that foam gun going, and we just like ah. And just and just cut and just covered it. Just covered it. There was a horrible smell for about for about three months, and then it went away. I think it. I think it finally rotted out completely, and there's no more smell. Wow. Um, Sarah Sarah Branion says you don't look old enough to have a twenty year old. Uh, I can attest that he does have a twenty year old, and you're right. He definitely doesn't look old enough to have a twenty year old. Um, you should you should see my wife. Uh, People give me the tiss tiss look because they think I'm robbing the cradle or something. Right. But yeah. My wife and I have been married for 22 years. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, no, nah, it's been more than that. I want to get yelled at here in a minute, but <laughs> she can't remember. So. We got married in 96. This year is going to be 23 uh, in June. Uh, we met when we were, I just turned 21 and she was 20, and we got married when we were 22 and 23. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s. And I like to think it's all the, uh, all the good living I did that makes me look so good, but I think it's just genes. Right. Yeah. When people ask me, uh, when people who know how old I am ask me how I don't look that age, I go, oh, it's really simple. When you turn about 19 years old, cop the biggest drug habit you can possibly get, but you have to quit <laughs> at the exact right time because that, that like preserves the skin in a youthful glow. If you go too long, you just age rapidly and it's over. So you have to make sure you're you quit. Automatically, Steve Buscemi. Right. <laughs> Twenty-seven, looking like Steve Buscemi. You're going to look like uh, Keith Richards did at 25, who still looks like Keith Richards at 25. Yeah. Um. So what, when you were out there, you were uh, you were telling me last time I was out there that you were building an uh, aquaponics system, which I had to look that up after I left because uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to write that down on my hand and look that up on my drive home later. And uh, so, well, so my wife calls it nerd farming, right? Yeah. That's basically what that is, but it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, can, can you explain what that is to anybody who's watching me who doesn't know? And I may be the only ignorant person on that because maybe everybody else has heard about it, but um, reading about it and then getting your description right before the show. So cool. Like that is one of the coolest things you could possibly do in your own property. 
Well, we love it because you can you can really you can get a lot out of a little bit of space. So, on the on the surface, the most basic of that is we have fish that we're growing inside of a a, a big tank, and we pump the water out of that tank with all of their fish poop and the food that they don't eat into other tanks, other uh, grow beds. Uh, some of them have lava rock in the bottom with a with with a little bit of skinny rock on the bottom, like a little bit of pea gravel so that we can plant things in it. And some of the beds that we have have lava rock with real dirt on it. And that lava rock creates a, a place for bacteria to grow. And they take the fish poop nitrite and convert it into nitrates. And that is what feeds, it's like a fertilizer. It's, it's a fertilization system for the plants. The plants grow great. And the more plants you have, the more fish you can have in there, you can have a higher stocking density. Right now, I think we have about 15 little bass in there, um, but our system is, is really new. Right. Um, but this, you were this just getting us. it set up in November, so. Yeah, and then uh, I had a, you know, the other part of that is it's all about community, and I learned this from, from, from some people that I've gotten to know really well, and we, we got together and think of it like an Amish barn, uh, barn raising. And we, we have a group that we call uh, Tennessee Get Shit Done Crew. And we're, we're like-minded people. We listen to a couple podcasts and we all met through and another podcast that we listen to, um, the Survival Podcast with Jack Spirito. I actually, we, I actually lost you there for a second. You said we met through and then you blanked and then you said, and another podcast with Jack Spirico. Oh, um, Nicole, Nicole Williams, who okay. you know, who used to work with the spark freedom. She right. has a living free in Tennessee. And then, um, the other person that we've kind of all met around is, uh, Jack Spirico with the survival podcast. Um, and that we all are a little bit like-minded and it's like, you know, it's F the government, leave me alone. I'll do what I'm going to do, but let's create a community of our own. And it's not like we're going to go into the bottom of a bunker and eat a bunch of beans and rice. It's, Let's make our world a better place and prepare for that um, just in case something goes wrong. Right. But you know what? We're making our world better even if it doesn't go wrong. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. And we get together, and the great thing about that Get Shit Done crew is we'll, we'll pick a project. Somebody will be like, hey, I really need to have this done. So, like, I've got three extra bedrooms and I will feed you and supply you with a bunch of booze. And I've got some tent camping areas. So we'll have 10 people come over to the house and we'll just knock out a project for a weekend. And you participate in one of those. And then you go to someone else's house and do, do that. And it just keeps popping around. Right. And everybody is helping everybody. You're creating that community of the people that you can kind of count on. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, so that is sort of the way that I have, if I were to create an anarchist society, that's the sort of society that I would kind of picture where you find a group of people that you can all work together and you all work on projects together. And then that's the community in which you kind of just, you make that community flourish. If other people want to join, they, that's up to the people of the community. And then you just set aside different yeah. community and then you just figure out how to trade with each individual community. Like that's kind of the way I've always pictured my society. And community doesn't, community doesn't have to be a physical location. I mean, we are, um, we just did a, Nicole just did her big workshop when I taught a class up there on, on how to make, how to, uh, how to cure meat to make bacon and stuff. And there are people coming from Missouri and New Hampshire and Texas and Oklahoma, uh, North Carolina, um, Everybody met there for about four or five days to learn from one another and to have a good time. Right. So the, the community isn't necessarily a, a physical space. It's, it's what you make of it. Right. Um, com completely off subject. You, you said something about yeah. uh, smoking meat and making bacon. And uh, I remember you took a trip to Alaska and uh -huh. you were smoking was it 
what what were what did you what were you smoking in the back of mafiosas that was so good that I probably that I definitely did not eat in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I think we brought back we brought back some salmon from the Copperwood family. Right. And uh, we were testing out new recipes for Ember Ski Lodge next door. And that was that was the smoked salmon. So okay. Smoked salmon. Yeah, okay. That, I was thinking it was salmon, ah. but I, I, I'm getting it mixed up with um, my trip to Alaska where I was eating a lot of, uh, like, elk and stuff. Um, and I was like, did he bring that back? Um, but uh, I brought that back, but I didn't share it with anybody. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I don't blame you. It's really good. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you had the smoked salmon going in the back of mafiosas, and I definitely didn't eat it in the kitchen. Um, but it was really good. Um, <laughs> my co-host, Spike, says... Uh, totally unrelated would brett and his wife like to come for a beach vacation in myrtle beach i'm gonna say that so you know which beach he's talking about maybe encapsulate our crawl space <laughs> only if there's lots of snakes in there for me to make it stink for about a for about a month right uh um <laughs> the rest of the world's going to be rummaging through landfills for scraps of food and brett's going to be pairing bass with water chris yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So I remember when you first started getting into wood turning, like you were just like, okay, this is something I'm going to do now. And uh, you, came into, you came into work one day. I believe it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday or a Saturday. I'm, I'm going to say Sunday. Um, and you were like, yeah, so I just got this new lathe and I've been working on wood turning. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And you said, and I made you this. And you handed me a pen that you had made me. <laughs> I st- yeah, and I saw that the other day. It that was a pretty shitty pen. I'm sorry. I still have <laughs> yeah, I still have that pen, and I still use it all the time. It's in my bed. Nice. It's in my bedroom I'm next to my work. bed, and that's what I write stuff down on at night, or write stuff down with at night. Is that pen? Like, and every time that uh, like, I'm like Brett made me this pen. This pen is staying right here. <laughs> I, I, it never leaves the house, nothing like that. Um, but, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. And then you, uh, you started the, uh, I, it wasn't an Etsy store, I don't think, but it was, it was some sort of store where uh, I could buy like your pens and your bowls and everything that you were turning online. And I bought like every pen you had. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. And I hope that you, uh, you get them all out. What's that? You you broke up for I a second. I hope you, I, I I hope you gave them all out. No, I didn't. No, I still have all of them. Ah, I believe I three a... of them are right here. Um, <laughs> three of them are right here. One of them is in the bag that I always carry with me, and then one of them that was always in my pocket recently got replaced. Sorry to say, but uh, my buddy got one, me one of these bolt action pens for my oh, birthday. Oh yeah. So I've recently I've recently switched pens from one of the ones that you made. But, you know, uh, this one, this one breaks windows. Time, time moves on. Time moves on. This one yeah. breaks windows. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big fan. Um, so living, living out there in, uh, not Clarksburg, Lewisburg, Lewisburg uh, living out there in Lewisburg. Um, I know that you've got some crazy neighbors, according to things you've told me. Uh, but you've been told basically... You basically, like, when you were remodeling your house, like, you went to go get permits, and they just kind of looked at you funny, and we're like, no, it just it's your house. Well, what's funny was, we thought that's the way it was. We, I went to go get, I was used to building in Nashville. Right. And I've built, I've, I've worked on, I've, you know, we've built uh, four restaurants, and I've opened a total of nine restaurants, so I'm used to having to deal with codes department. Right. And... I've been to places where you had to get a permit to start demolition. So I went and said, Hey, how do I get a demo permit? And they're like, you don't need a demo permit. Like, okay. But then when it came to, I I asked the head of coach to come by and, and, and let him know what I wanted to let him know what we were doing. And he seemed pretty cool. But the very first time that we got inspected, my contractor friend, had a little argument with the very first inspector we had. And that just set the stage for us to 
um, to be unhappy. Right. <laughs> so if I love, I love the county, I love Lewisburg. I love the county I live in Marshall County, but it is one of the top of the places I've ever had to deal with the coast department. Really? Cause yeah, yeah. when you and I were, cause when you and I were talking about it and you were like, yeah, we don't need a demo, you know, uh, you were talking about the demo permit and I was like, Oh, that's real different from Nashville. Cause in Nashville, you need a permit for anything. Like you need a permit to yeah. braid hair in Nashville. I need not, not anymore. That just changed. Did it good. Yeah. Well, actually you can't just braid hair instead of getting a full blown cosmetology license. Now they have to make sure that you know how to wash your hands. And I think it's like a, a 20 or 20 or 30 hour thing instead of a 3000 hour thing, which is still a load of shit, but it's a lot better. Right No. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I remember I needed a, uh, I needed a permit to wait tables to know that yeah. I wouldn't over serve. Yeah. And granted that permit lasts for seven years or whatever it is. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, that permit lasts for seven years. When I, when I took it, it lasted for two. Oh, really? It was only a two year class and you, you had to suit to that nine hour class. You can actually take it online now, which is fantastic. That's yeah, that's better. I, um, I did not have that. I did not have the online option at the time. And I had to sit at some convention hall on a Saturday morning and you remember me back then. Saturday mornings were not a good time for me, ever. Because mornings, yeah, mornings, not just Saturday, right? Yeah. Like just mornings in general. Um, and uh, I mean, they still aren't a good time for me, and I'm sober. So uh, back then, they were real difficult. <laughs> I remember I was sitting in that class, and everything that this teacher was telling me about alcohol safety, anybody with a brain knew. And he, uh, he was talking to us about finding fake IDs, which again, anybody with a brain is going to know how to do it. And he said, I'll never forget this. And he goes, what's the largest organ on your body? And I'm going to remind everybody who's listening. I used to drink a lot. So I raised my hand and he goes, no, I already know your answer. So I just put my hand down because obviously <laughs> not my body, a body in general. Right. Uh, and he goes, and he said, it's your skin. And I said, Oh, and he said, that's why you don't want to bathe in alcohol. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, it soaks it in and it could kill you. Oh, what if it's just beer? And he said, no, don't do that. And I said, okay. And then I raised my hand again. He's like, what? And I said, what if, and hear me out. What if you get one of those foot massager thingies? And you fill it with vodka and you only put your feet in it. And he went, I, I don't, I don't know if that would kill you, but I wouldn't recommend it. I am not going to say I recommend it, but. <laughs> but you had an enjoyable time. But if anybody out there tries it, it is not a bad time. Um, not that I recommend it. Because it could be really dangerous, and I got lucky. <laughs> um, and that is what that is the one thing I remember from that class is he said, "Do not bathe in alcohol." And I said, "Man, if that ever comes up in a do restaurant, not bathe in alcohol. yeah, if that ever comes up in my serving career, I, I think I think get, I have an issue. Get out of the sink. Get <laughs> out of the sink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why Why are you sitting in the sink for so long, pouring alcohol over yourself? If if you were doing that in your restaurant, you have been sitting at you have been at work way too long, or you have a real drinking problem, be, to just find yourself in that situation. Um, but all in all, I, easy, easy course if you have to take it, but just stupid that I needed to go sit in this class for that long in order to wait tables at Mafiosa's Club it's, South. It's a time waste. It is it's a time, such a time waste, time. and it's a shame that you have to take the whole class over again to renew. Right, it's not a. It's not just like a refresher course. Like, and then if you did slap the upside the head, yeah. And then if you didn't take the refresh, like if you didn't take the class again, they would come into your work and just do surprise stings, and anybody who didn't yep. have that license had to go home. And I remember they did that to us on a Tuesday night. And, oh, because they knew. Yeah, of course they knew. They did that to us on a Tuesday night, and for anybody who doesn't live in Nashville, which is going to be most of you. Uh, Tuesday night at Mafiosa's was two for one beer, double pour on liquor and two for one slices of pizza. 
it was a busy night that made me hate everybody. The young person's meat market night. Yeah. Yes. I did enjoy that. But, um, they came in one night and they sent half of the staff home. So we were, I think we were down to like six servers running this Tuesday night. Usually running 10 to 10 to 17, depending upon the time of year. Right. And I remember uh, me and Virginia V, we were the two servers inside just in a dead on sprint all night long. And one of our tables was a table of regulars that came in in mass and would take up half of a restaurant who I'm not going to name here, but they were awful. They're always awful. And on that night, they were really awful. <laughs> um, so, so if somebody wants to like start doing their own aquaponics, if somebody wants to start moving outward outside of the city, obviously the first step is to move outward outside of a city, but like, how do they disconnect from all of that? Like, how would you recommend somebody does all of that with the least amount of stress possible? Um, well, you use the term disconnect, and, I, and I, uh, I've got a problem with that. You need to connect. You need to connect with the people that you can learn from. No, um, so disconnect from, like the, a, like dis- disconnect from the big city is what I meant. Like get away from the big city. Oh. Yeah, not, not disconnect from people, but disconnect from the big city where we're used to everything being right there, having the yeah, time. There's no, there's no Uber here. There's no Postmates. There's no Uber Eats. Uh, there's no shift or whatever the grocery store one is. Um, we don't have you know, that my grocery here. store. My grocery store options are Walmart and Kroger um, and like a food lion or IGA or something. Um, so plan on getting, getting stuff once a week. If you make a trip into the city, if you're, if you're close enough to still do that, we, we choose Wednesday to go into town because we know it's the quietest day. And we hit Trader Joe's. That's it. Um, and, you know, hit the good liquor store to pick up good wine and stuff. Um, start growing your own stuff. There, I mean, and, and I have four restaurants. There are no restaurants here in town to speak of. There's, there's a bunch of chains. It's like uh, everything you'd see driving down any any town street USA, you're going to get hit each one of those chain restaurants. Right. There's a couple of little mom and pop places, but they're all meat and threes. And there's nothing like, there's no place where you, there's like 15 Mexican restaurants and a new one seems to open every week. There's no like a little chef driven restaurant. Get used to that. So you're going to be cooking at home, learn how to cook. Or if you're like, I am, I started a service where people can order food, that I'm going to prepare. They order all the, I prepare five different types of meals a week. They order by Wednesday. I have ready for pickup on Friday. So it's kind of like a, uh, meal prep service. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you got like a meal prep service going on. That's, and I, I found the stuff that sells are the stuff that people can't get here. I'll, I'll cook some Thai food or some Vietnamese or some Indian food. And that is the stuff that people just kind of, wow, I have to drive an hour to get this or, I'm like, ah, well, you don't have to do that here now anymore. Right. And it's in your fridge. You can heat it up when you want. But be prepared to to be on your own but not. Get to know your neighbors. And that's that's the whole reason you're moving out here. I mean, we lived in the middle of Green Hills. I don't – I knew the name of one neighbor. Lived there for 20 years. Right. Um, everybody in the city was so isolated but because their kids go to different schools. They have different – I mean – here, you just hey, you see somebody across the road, and you go say hi. Right. And and Green and in Nashville, it, it didn't feel that way. It wasn't it wasn't comfortable like that. No, that's that's definitely true. Uh, the when I was living in Nashville, I I knew one neighbor at the two houses I lived in after I broke up with the girl that I had been dating when I first started when I first moved there. Uh, I lived in two houses. I knew one neighbor at each of those houses. No, one of those was two. I forgot about Lou. I never considered him a neighbor. Um, (laughs) um, Because he he just ended up just being always around. So he wasn't a neighbor. He was just Lou. Um, But uh, like I knew one neighbor at each of those places. And uh, that was it. I did not get to know any other neighbor. Everybody I knew 
Every Spike says he loves you. Um, <laughs> Love you, Spike. Uh, every uh, every everybody I knew I met through uh, work, through going out to bars, through going out to different restaurants or uh, from the gym. Like that, that was it. That was my circle of influence. If you lived around me, I did not know who you were. And I was okay with that at the time. I could, I could see that. Yeah. One of the things that I learned out here was it's a much smaller, it's a much smaller pond and you don't have to be a big fish, but you can, you can have much more impact. Right. Um, you know, we bought an old house that was a historical house in, in town. So people were wanting to see what the house looked like. People would come by all the time and just drive up while we're working on the house and ask us how we're doing and what we're doing and that kind of thing. And when it came to it, we, we were asked if we would put our house on the tour of homes for the rotary fundraiser. Right. And that allowed us to meet a lot more people, a lot more people. And then it allowed me to join rotary, which is a, it's a good organization. They, they gather, they basically, they they gather money and they distribute it to, they may have, we have fundraisers and that kind of thing and distribute it to other organizations, nonprofits, places that need it in town. And those are the types of things that I would prefer to government period. I mean, you're working with your, you're working with people. You can, you can give money to people that you agree with their thing, their, what their, what their mission is or what their project is. Right. And the other side of that is I'm getting to know, the local government people. And if we all know there's, there's anybody who can be more problematic, it's the local government because the only thing they can do is make more restrictive laws than the ones that the federal government made or the state or the county. And then you get down to town um, and then get an HOA on top of that. So, right. um, Which it seemed like every, that seemed like everywhere in Nashville, that was what you were dealing with. You were dealing with the restrictions on the federal, you're from the federal, from the state, from the county, from the city. And then everywhere I lived, I think I, we had an HOA. So it was just restriction upon restriction upon restriction. Granted, I ignored most of them because who's really checking, but yeah, at the same time, I could have gotten busted for a lot of the stuff that I had done. Yep. And out here, I hate to say it, but it's more about relationships. And that's, I think, you know, we had, I had relationships with different politicians and stuff in Nashville. Um, some good regulars at the restaurant who I think, you know, I'm talking about, Right. but the, out here, it's a little different. It's not a, there's never any expected, uh, quid pro quo. It's just a, Hey, how can I help you? You know, I haven't come across any of that. Nobody with a handout. Right. Um, and the, the, the local politicians that I've run across seem to be fairly, uh, uncorrupt and they're 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 legitimately like hey welcome to town what can we do you know we were asked to go speak you know to a couple of different organizations in town people were basically like what it boiled down to was like why the hell did you come out here why did you choose franklin or why don't you live in east nashville or why didn't you stay in nashville um and our, our answer was we wanted to be, we wanted to be outside of that mess. Um, we wanted a place where we could get to know people and we wanted a place where we could be left alone if we wanted to. And that's it. And that's, that's all anybody should want. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean that, I mean, I, I understand wanting to be immersed in like a city kind of uh, environment. I absolutely, I, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Cause I, that's how I sort of live right now. I'm on like the outskirts of that. Um, and this is Florida. So, I mean, if I go any, I have this option or I have an option. I definitely don't want, um, it's like the swamps, right? Yeah. The swamps, the, the gator country. Um, so I, I get it. Uh, I get wanting to be in the city environment. I also get wanting to get away from the city environment and wanting to leave that and just be with your neighbors and your families and all of that. I, I understand. I understand both sides of it. And I know that at some point in my life, I'm probably going to lean over to the other side and be like, okay, I just want to get away from all of this. The local governments here are starting to just piss me off beyond repair where I'm tired of arguing at city council meetings and I'm tired of fighting with people and writing op-eds 
for the local papers in order to try to get them to let me Airbnb a house that's not in a uh, correctly zoned Prescripted area. zoned, yeah. Right. Um, which is something we're dealing with here in this tiny little town that I live in out off of St. Petersburg. Like, if you're not zoned for business, you don't get to Airbnb your house. And then you also have to apply for a business license. And it's, to me, it's stupid. Like, it's my house. Um, but, so yeah, I can, I can, I definitely understand that. Um, normally I say at this point, do you have anything you want to plug? I don't really know if you're working on anything that you would want to plug. <laughs> um, well, go to brettchef.com and buy some of my bowls. Yes. Uh, B R E T T C H E F.com. And, uh, real quick, like I, like I said at the beginning, I'm going to give you like a heartfelt speech because I've been doing those recently. Um, Literally, you're again. You are one of my favorite people in the world, and truly, I look at you. You're you're not a friend. You're you're not a friend. You're not like a former boss. You you are family to me. You are a big brother. Um, I look up to you immensely. Uh, I look up to you immensely, and I uh, I can never show you all the gratitude for all that you have helped me out with. And uh, one one of those things which I'll mention real quick is when I left Florida. They threw me a going away party that I have never been to a party that was this wonderful ever in my life. Uh, we floated two kegs of beer, which I think there was like 15 of us there. So that was just impressive. And, and uh, I couldn't even tell you how much liquor we went through. And I know I definitely didn't eat enough of the food because Brett is the most amazing cook in the world. Gordon Ramsay would disagree, but I mean... He he really is, and I learned I learned to not yell like him anymore. That, that took me a while, but yeah, right. You probably still threaten people who eat in the kitchen, um, but you know you and Bethany and Calvin, you're all my family, and it's weird because you're like my brother and she's like my sister, but you guys are married. Uh, but again, everything that you guys have ever done for me, I can never stop saying thank you, and I love all of you immensely and as always i'm always here for you and i will once again say one day i'm gonna make it back up there i just really need everything to work out for once for me to get back up i understand that we love you too and we we wish you the best of luck with this and keep keep it going yeah no absolutely um but i'm definitely not moving back to nashville proper i'm gonna go to that city outside outside that yeah yeah that one city that we talked about last time i was up there yep 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 the one that's a country. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah. We, I was just hanging out there today. Were you? Nice. Yeah, yep. no. I need to go and check that place out. Um, but yeah, again, thank you. I, I love you more than you can possibly possibly realize. You probably do because you know me. But um, yeah, I truly love you more than, more than almost anybody else in the world. And I will always and forever consider you uh, just one of my closest friends and my brother. Yeah. Maddie, you are family, and I'm sure Bethany is watching this, sitting on the porch, and she's probably crying a bit right now. So yeah, that was my goal. We appreciate that. We love you, and uh, you know, let me know how I can help you anymore. All right, well done. Um, to everybody else, I love you. Thank you for watching. You know, please like, please share. Uh, but you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash muddiedwatersoffreedom. You can find us on Instagram at muddiedwatersoffreedom. You can find us on Twitter at muddied underscore waters, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash muddied waters media and you can find this in every episode of muddied waters media at muddied waters of uh can you hang out for a couple minutes while i do the closing song and then i'll talk to you after cool sounds good beautiful uh remember that we are closing out this week with jason lyon tomorrow night uh this weekend i have the wonderful pleasure of hanging out with all of the libertarians who are going to be in town for the florida libertarian convention and uh I will have many great pictures and stories from that. Uh, so look forward to that next week. Starting Monday, Jason Lyon is going to be uh, starting us off. Next Tuesday, we have an all-new episode of Muddied Waters of Freedom. And Wednesday, I think, fingers crossed, that Spike Cohen is back with his brand-new episode of My Fellow Americans. So tune in for all of that. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Do everything you can to make it beautiful, and we will see you soon. I 
swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's a stunning I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue.